Hello, and welcome to episode 149 of the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Stuart Butler, joined today with Pete DeMeo. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. And Phil Fariska. Hey, all you honorary fuelagans. You're not going to mix that up, are you? You're, you're steadfast nope, in your keeping name. it. All right. Keeping it now. We're good. I, I haven't had any complaints yet, so I think we're okay. And also joining us is Melissa Cavanaugh. Howdy ho. Melissa, Which I'm also keeping. Yeah. You've had that for a while. I think people are used to it by now. You've had a busy little week, Melissa, with all the data noodling that you've been doing. I've had a crazy week, and it's only, what day is it? It's Thursday. <laughs> no, there are only three days now. There is yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Those are the only three days that exist in this weird reality where the sun doesn't shine and we never go outside because we're busy working, trying to make our clients um, survive this crazy mess. But that's okay. You, you've been spending time on some really important data analysis, and we just published a second study, so we'll probably do an episode of that here in the next week or so but that was kind of interesting if people want to check it out i'll put a link to it in the show notes but um yeah it looks like people are beginning to think about traveling again all, all yes, but very slowly it's the, the sentiment is shifting so that's that's some good news and um yeah we're excited to see that trend continue in addition to the regular fuligans we also have a special guest with us today we we here consider ourselves somewhat experts on marketing but we lack a little knowledge when it comes to revenue management. So we went out and found a good friend of the show and brand new podcast host herself from TCRM, which is Total Customized Revenue Management. We found Lily Mockerman. How are you doing today, Lily? Excellent. Thanks so much for having me on the podcast, Stuart. I'm really looking forward to sharing some tips. That's you. Well, we're glad to have you, and I've known you for quite some time. You, you're a co-host on Lauren's This Week in Hospitality Marketing show with me, so I definitely know you know a thing or two about a thing or two when it comes to revenue management, so figured you'd be and the best And if not, voice. I'll pretend to, so it's all good. Well, you've obviously listened to the show before, because <laughs> that's pretty much the secret to our success. We pretend to know what we talk about. If we say it with enough confidence, then enough people believe you, and you become an expert. That's how this world works. It's amazing. Um <laughs> So you're the CEO of TCRM, but you're also, which is a, a revenue management company that, that will, you can either do a turnkey or, or offer strategies for folks with their revenue management, but you're also the founder of ThinkUp Enterprises as well. So what is that? That's correct. So basically with ThinkUp Enterprises, we're focused on the consulting side of the business. So yep. we'll come in and create strategic action plans for different uh, companies at the organizational level or the hotel level, as well as we help with technology selection and things of that nature. Gotcha. So now that you have been on the Fuel Podcast, you're going to have to tell everyone to use Fuel Booking Engine, Fuel Mobile App, Fuel CRM when they're of looking at, at their tech stack. <laughs> There are no other options. I kid, I kid. There's some good products out there, but ours are pretty swell too. So definitely check them out if you haven't already. Um, today's topic, what we're going to be talking about is five amazing revenue management tips to think about during the downturn and, and into recovery. So Lily came up with these tips. We're going to go through them in fuel style one by one. But before we do that, Pete, yes. the, world, the world's disappointed we don't have news today. 
Unfortunately, there no news or ruse, but we've got Lily to break those blues. Love it. See, you you are the jingle master. I think if, if your career here at Fuel ever doesn't go the way you want it, you can just go walk anywhere you want and say, I can create a jingle for you on the spot. You know, what? It, it's hotel marketing podcast jingles is a very niche market that I'm going to completely control. Yeah, you're going to dominate this for sure. I think you could become the mogul of said, said industry. So if you are a hotel podcast and you want a new jingle then definitely reach out to pete because he's your man apparently um but speaking of man we have lily mocker man which i love your name it makes me think <laughs> think of um us on the show because we like to mock each other we like to mock a man but lily right mocker man we're not going to mock she has some great wisdom so we're going to jump into the tips right now for revenue management um, and do you prefer revenue management or revenue optimization? I've heard like there's a debate, raging debate in the industry right now on what it should be called. That is a great question. And honestly, I think that what the industry is going to end up moving towards at the end of this is just scrap it all together and go with commercial strategy, which is just going to encompass revenue management. Profit optimization is probably my favorite at the moment um, because that's where we should really be focusing. Yeah. Uh, but revenue management uh, from an SEO perspective, apparently the masses still prefer that. Yeah. And, and you are a certified revenue manager. So even some of the associations still refer to it as revenue management. Right. Correct. So like Nobody seems now. to have a consensus on a replacement term yet. Yeah, I feel like the optimization wave was was people coming in and trying to change the tides, and and it never really fully took off. I mean, I get the the right. semantic argument, but it seems to be okay. Let's just do our job. No one really cares what it's called. Um, so let's jump in, shall we? With number one, 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 one. one, one. I'm so glad that this is number one because we've been saying this since this crisis began and it is dropping rates does not create demand. That is true. I mean, we've really heard it across the board. Um, so I wanted to dive in a little bit about what that means. Uh, but in the current environment, basically, if people are not traveling, it's for purposes of coronavirus. It turns out that unless you compare a 20% discount with a guarantee that a customer won't become ill while traveling, it's probably not going to help you at all. Um, in fact, just yesterday I was hearing about an MMGY study and 60% of the respondents said they wouldn't take a leisure trip until there was a slowdown worldwide of COVID-19. And without any sort of, you know, vaccines or anything like that on the market, I just don't see that happening in the immediate future. And in addition to that, of course, we know there's been a major economic impact, so that's going to affect the availability of funds for travel. So 40% also said concern for their personal financial situation would affect their leisure travel. So whether or not you're priced at $1 or $5,000 for the same room, you're probably just not going to be attracting guests at this stage, regardless of where you're priced. I think that's dead on. I mean, the thing that I always look at is the problem is not people want to travel and there's an economic reason that they can't. It's physically you cannot travel. And I think far too many hoteliers are putting their old world marketing hats on and saying, oh, if I have a occupancy problem, I'm going to solve it by discounting. And it, it is just it's not even incorrect strategy. It's just the incorrect game plan overall. 
Yeah, and it's it's something we've talked about a lot. And, and there, you know, there's some wisdom in in the laws of supply and demand, and, and price is obviously an important lever in that. But in this situation, when price is not the the, the factor that's creating the lack of demand, all you're going to do is erode your profitability for the demand that does exist. It isn't going to create new demand. Your competition around the corner is going to also follow suit and drop rate. Now it's a, it's a race to the bottom. It's it's what Tim Peter refers to as the game that you can't win, and everyone loses in this scenario. Absolutely, and the chances that you're just leaving money on the table, right, for these um, guests that would have traveled to you anyway, because there's just limited options. If they're absolutely essential travel for some reason, they're going to be staying with you regardless. So the fact that you've dropped your rates is simply not going to be driving demand. Yeah, I mean, it's a great point because folks right now, they are limited in choice. So so you definitely have a premium product. And the people that are traveling, there must be a pretty compelling reason for them to be traveling right now. This is this is not a leisure trip. This is some kind of essential travel. They're going to see someone that's sick or they're a worker that, that needs to be in a certain location. There's compelling reasons that, that aren't going to change their mind about whether or not they, they travel. So if you're one of the few things open, you you know, you don't want to price gouge. You certainly don't want to take advantage of that situation and, and you know, just be opportunistic. But you can demand a fair rate for the demand that does exist. And that, that's appropriate. Just to give one example, we have a client down in Tucson um, that has decided to remain open and there's probably three or four of their closest competitors also still open and they have not followed the race to the bottom. They're obviously not set inappropriately high, but uh, they are at about a 400 index on the star report against those other competitors right now, regardless of the fact that they've stayed in kind of the upper mid uh, pricing tier. So there's been no reason for them to discount at all. They're still enjoying that um, good portion of the demand that's out there. So Lily, if you were to look into your crystal ball, what would you see demand doing when we've gotten somewhat past the the COVID scare and people are more comfortable traveling. Do you see a, a surge in demand where we can start reevaluating our strategies? You know, I, I honestly think from my personal opinion and, you know, with this quarantine, I have had a little extra time to polish my crystal ball, but it, it doesn't seem to be helping a lot. Um, but from my uh, perspective, it's going to depend on how long these quarantine and restricted travel measures last. The longer they last, the slower the return to travel is going to be, I think, because right now everybody's feeling this pent up demand and there's some markets. I know uh, Myrtle Beach, for example, I think, Stuart, you had mentioned that the other day, is seeing an uptick for the end of May from some uh, wishful thinkers, perhaps, um, that want to get out of the house and just get somewhere where they can it kind of unwind, I suppose, from being cooped up for so long. But I think that if we continue to see the experts saying that it's not safe to travel for a little bit longer, that's going to become more and more ingrained in everybody's minds. And that's going to actually slow down the recovery if that does extend much longer. Yeah, I would agree on that. So that's kind of a good segue as we move into number so number two is goes the opposite of what we just all talked about. Point number one is a myth and sits on a throne of lies. 
and here's why. So Absolutely. Oh. So the worst advice anybody can ever give you is that dropping rates does not create demand. Obviously, <laughs> dropping rates creates demand, guys, or else we wouldn't have sales in the hotel industry. And if you have never sent out a 20% off e-blast, then uh, you probably just aren't even in the game. So here's the thing, though. Uh, the markets are also declining in rates. So even in the example of the Tucson client that I mentioned, they're maybe not at their original rate levels because the market has declined and it would be pretty stupid of them to maintain, you know, $150 premium to what their market is doing. So it's more about maintaining kind of their positioning within it. Also, kind of at the start of this crisis, before there were more restrictions, there were some really deep airline discounts that were out there and there was all sorts of chatter on social media. Hey, I'm going to grab this. This is a great opportunity for me to take advantage of this lower rate. So these are people who weren't necessarily planning a trip previously and they saw this deal and they wanted to take advantage of it. So as long as you're positioning your sale really well, just like if you were to launch a travel zoo or a Groupon before for a short-term demand boost, that will help increase demand for your property, barring every single property offering the sale at the same time. Um, and in that same MMGY survey that we mentioned above, 36% of the respondents said that a great travel deal would have an impact on them taking a trip. That's obviously way below the 60% that won't take a trip during COVID-19, but still a measurable impact. So hotels can actually capitalize on this, but here's the thing, and here's the balance between point one and two. It needs to be a well-placed, limited-time offer. We can't just go out there and drop our bar rates across the board. It needs to be positioned as maybe, you know, a grand reopening if you've been temporarily closed to invite your guests back or something with limited availability on a day-to-day -day basis. Maybe there's only five rooms to create that kind of sense of urgency. So you want to make sure to do it as a specialized offer package because decreasing your buy rates can cause sort of a race to the bottom and even too many sales can. The other thing that's true about this is that while dropping your rates and offering a sale does create demand in the short term, it's not a long-term sustainable strategy. So that's, I think, where we start to get into um, into trouble is when hoteliers begin to rely on it. There's sort of this addiction quality to the demand that comes from a sale and people begin to just start putting them out over and over again, which dilutes the efficacy of the actual sale. So that's my perspective. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And, and I think putting parameters around discounts in terms of time limitation or, or some kind of restriction is, is a good rail, a good safety guard to prevent what you're talking about, where it just erodes your profitability over the long term. So one of the things I've seen that's pretty interesting and successful is folks offering vouchers, where if you buy $100 worth of vouchers, you get $150 or $200. And it could be vouchers or gift cards, but some kind of value um, on top of what you're paying. So it's sort of the reverse discount, but it's it's limited and they're only selling it for a short amount of time. They're saying, hey, for, for the next two weeks, you can get, get this. You don't have to book right now. It's just kind of getting money on the books with a sort of discount. But it's, it's, it's being able to move the needle because people see the value in that. But, you know, I, I think you've got to be really cautious when it comes to discounting 
looking at the channel, looking at the audience. We've had a lot of concerns in the past about channels. You mentioned Groupon and TravelZoo. Groupon specifically, we don't see that, although it can create demand, it can create the wrong type of demand or the wrong type of consumer that comes to your, your property. And, and maybe that degrades the experience for everyone and then leads to negative review scores, which then leads to you know potentially a lower ADR that you're able to obtain. So there's usually a trade-off and there's usually a, a, a problem or, or I guess a symptom that arises when you do that kind of thing. So just be mindful as you're discounting who your target audience is, who you're going to attract with that and what kind of long-term impact that's going to have in terms of anchoring your rate, but also on the people that are paying full price the perception it's going to create with them when other folks that are deal seekers start showing up on your door as well. I mean, even yeah. goes beyond just the, you know, initially anchoring just your rate, but you know, Lily, your point of everyone kind of doing that race to the bottom and just dropping rates, you're going to anchor your entire market. And then, you know, I've read so many studies of getting back to RevPAR from 2019 is going to take several years you're only hurting yourself in the long term when now in this new economy that we're coming out of and the economy and the market sinks back up. If your property is now valued 20 bucks a night lower, you're going to have a really hard time convincing your guest to pay that previous rate that you had. And keep it in mind, too, that it took us you know, 10 straight years of consecutive growth in terms of occupancy and ADR to to get to where we were in you know before this happened it it was since the financial crisis it it took us a while to get back to where we were so to to assume that we're just going to go back to normal the people that are talking about this V-shaped recovery that's just going to snap the market back it's it's not going to happen so there is a reality that you're going to have to reset expectations and rebuild over time but finding where your new normal appropriate normal is it's going to be really important to your rate strategy. And it's not, you know, discounting necessarily. It's just, hey, here's where we really, this is the rate we can command based on the market conditions as they, they are now, the new reality. Exactly. Yeah, and I'm seeing more and more right now, I'm seeing a lot of people making decisions out of things like desperation or wishful thinking or, you know, we're, we're all kind of grasping from a psychological, mental perspective at anything that could make things better. So everybody wants to believe in this V-shaped recovery, but the problem is people are actually making plans around things that they wish or hope will happen. So I would encourage all the listeners, if you aren't in a mental state where you can make clear, logical decisions about what's going on at your hotel, have somebody from the outside take a look and help guide you in that decision, because sometimes we're just too far into, you know, how desperately we we need the recovery, and that's not an accurate place to make business decisions from. Yeah, I think always hope for hope for the best, but prepare for the worst, and you know that that's going to see you through it for sure. All right, let's move on to number three. Creating offers that are truly unique and value focused, rather than price focused. So basically, what I foresee happening at the end of this is a whole lot of email spam. So you probably all had, you know, your separate inbox rule for everything with a COVID-19 headline about a month ago when every 
single company in the world that you've ever done business with in the past 25 years sent you an email about what they were doing cleaning wise. Um, so still are. And still oh. are, right? A few are, are late to the game. Um, but I think that really what you're going to see is a lot of hotels just thinking that they can pull from their old playbook and sending e-blasts about their latest 20% off sale. And that's just not going to be enough when you're getting these from all over the place. It just becomes advertising clutter uh, and noise in the background. So right now you have to connect even more than we ever did in the past with the emotional side of why guests might be looking at travel they're going to be a lot more interested in travel that inspires them. Hotels that offer stronger cleanliness and safety. I know Marriott just put out um, an article maybe yesterday, I think it was, about their enhanced cleaning procedures, which I thought was really smart. Um, and also, you know, I think that with the right kind of marketing, places like Great Wolf Lodge are going to be a really positive part of the recovery because they want to go somewhere where their kids can be taken away from them after they've homeschooled them and now it's summer break. Uh, so there's going to be a lot of kind of frenzied parents out there looking for travel. So connecting with some of those emotional reasons for travel is going to be super important to get the travelers to come to you and break away from the pack, break away from that noise. Uh, I think that when the markets were good, we all got a little bit lazy maybe with our marketing. And that's where you begin to really commoditize what you have to offer in your hotel because it's all just price driven. And we saw a lot of that in 2009. A lot of the sales teams never got away from it, unfortunately. But we've got to go back and reinvent the way that we talk to our guests about what we have to offer because those are the hotels that are going to enjoy the strongest recovery the fastest. Yeah, and I think... Value is the word that everyone needs to focus on and, and realize that what people value today is different than what they valued prior to COVID-19. And I'll give you an example of this. Prior to COVID-19, if I was traveling with a family and they were kind of messy and we were in you know, a two or three bedroom unit, I would probably want daily housekeeping. I would want someone to come in and straighten up a little bit for me and make the beds. Now... I would value the opposite of that. I would value someone not coming into my room because I want to protect my family. And, and the safety and security of them is more important than the convenience that the daily housekeeping would offer. So you know, we as hoteliers have to figure out what is it that people will value. Obviously, cleanliness, hygiene is important. Um, so communicating the processes, the protocols that you've implemented to keep them safe is a value proposition that will differentiate you. So the more you're out ahead of that and in, in doing more than the guy next door, I've been talking with a lot of properties over the last few days about what does reopening look like and how, how do you address the concerns. And, and some folks are looking at giving away a check-in packet, which includes face masks and hand sanitizer and things like that for the guests. Um, but also giving them you know, a 10-point promise of the things that you're doing to keep them safe. Those are new things that people wouldn't have valued six weeks ago, but now would be very, very valuable to people. So value can come in all kinds of shapes and sizes. Um, another example would be we used to see folks that had a little arcade or video game section in their hotel would give away um, game cards as a value option to people that were coming to stay. And it really doesn't cost them any money to say, hey, it's a $100 room night, but you get $50 in game card activity. Well, 
I, you know, as a parent, I don't want my kids anywhere near video games that other kids are touching right now. That would be the last thing I'd wanted. So that has now decreased in value significantly. And it, it could be a $1,000 game card. I, I don't value it nearly as much as I used to a $50 game card. So rethinking what is valuable and how, what you have to offer that's unique and people are willing to pay for, that is going to be the trick coming out of this. And just jumping on that bandwagon with some data from our latest study, uh, in terms of what people said they want to hear from hotels on is yes, number one was packages and specials for future stays, but really close behind that over 50% of people said they do want to hear what the property is doing to protect their guests. So yes, mm-hmm. they do value cleanliness and, and all that stuff. Yeah. And, and right up there with that was what people are doing to protect the staff as well. Yes. You know, so they definitely care a lot about safety and security that's you know the biggest motivator right now or demotivator right now well i mean we, we talked earlier that it, it the reason that people are traveling is not an economic reason it's a safety reason so that becomes the objective du jour that you want to go after and really you, you got to get that out of the way you have to show that your property is safe and ready to be stayed at and the sooner you can do that the sooner you'll be open for business again. And if your competitors are kind of behind the curve on that, that really does put you at a competitive advantage. Yep. All right, let's move on to number Recreating your budget and marketing plan with profitability in mind. Oh, so you did some foreshadowing earlier, Lily, when you talked about it should should be focused on profit optimization, not revenue optimization. Exactly. And it really, I think that, you know, all the budget marketing plans that um, I'm sure everybody is kicking themselves now for how many hours they spent on these things that were uh, irrelevant by February 1st, uh, but they were originally created for 2020 without COVID-19 in mind. And honestly, there's no way anybody could have accounted for this, right? Even if you had a recession model, this is unlike any other recession we've ever been in. But my fear is that there are still people out there who think that when business returns, they're going to pick up where they left off with their marketing plans and just keep going with the exact plans that they had before. And you're really kidding yourself if you're in that role. We shouldn't just be recreating the plan, you know, saying, okay, well, we're going to keep doing the same things, but we're going to expect maybe 50% less or 25% less business. You have to really take this time to rework your budget and marketing plans, not just with top line revenue, but with profitability in mind, because cash flow is king right now as always, uh, but especially right now when many businesses are struggling to sustain their business in the long term. So you really want to rephrase all of your offers and your tactics from that marketing plan and tie those back each one. Okay, this we're going to do this particular promotion. Here's how much revenue we're expecting from that, realizing this is a little bit of a shot in the dark at the moment, but at least you should have an idea of what you're expecting out of that take out any related expenses. Does this offer require you to purchase marketing? Does this offer require you to uh, give a percentage of revenue somewhere? Take out those expenses and see what your profit margin is for each offer and kind of put all of your offers and tactics to that test 
and make sure that they can pass the test of profitability. Perhaps there's a certain threshold that you're looking for based on your own financial situation. But before anything is approved, it should be able to pass a profitability test. So obviously, um, if you are still employed, hopefully you are, it's the perfect time to work on this. While we're slower dealing with guests, there's just less you know, groups coming in and things like that. So take this time to reorganize your budgeting and marketing plans because there's really no excuse to get to the end of this period where you've had less on your plate than you have in a while and say, oh, well, we're unprepared. We're not sure what to do now that the market is reopened. Create those scenarios now. Yeah, that is great advice. I think Dean from Darvisoft has said it best, and I've quoted him already on the show before, but it bears repeating, the whole world is taking a pit stop right now, and now is the time to change your tires and tune your engine and get ready to come out of this roaring. And one of the things you can do, in addition to doing audits and checking that everything is in order, you can really start drilling down into the campaigns that you've run before and, and verify the validity of the data and making sure that they're actually profitable. And, and I think one of the side effects that's going to come out of this is folks are going to double down and go back to basics. And, you know, we were in a, this luxurious world, even though we used to complain how hard marketing was. In hindsight, looking back at 2019, it was really easy. There were a lot of faucets we could turn on and off and they would drive demand. And, you know, as long as our marketing mix was generating adequate total demand, we weren't really, a lot of folks weren't really too concerned about what individually things were contributing. So now I think we've got to reset and, and rethink that and go back to some very basic things, make sure we're doing the fundamentals really, really well, look at some old school advertising tactics, uh, but more importantly, make sure that we're tracking and attributing value appropriately to each of our channels. I have a feeling that there's some, and I'm not going to name names, but there's some, some businesses out there that have some wonky attribution models, i.e., 7 to 12 day view through conversions where they're claiming 12% of revenue for that, the people are going to now scrutinize a little more and say, well, you know, on paper, it sounds like I'm making money on this. But when I really think through this, I'm not. And there's more, there's more appropriate places for me to put my limited budget now that I know I'm going to guarantee moving the needle versus the luxurious stuff that seemed good at the time, but probably in hindsight was, was, not as necessary as I thought it was. So now's the time to really scrutinize a lot of that stuff and, and rethink what you're spending your money on. Absolutely. I think that really where you're spending your money is going to become key. And at this point, uh, I don't think anybody has an excuse for coming out of this without knowing what their profit margin is for every channel and every offer, at least in hindsight, if you've never collected that data to go back and do that exercise, you have a a more accurate way to measure going forward what the scenario might look like for you. Uh, but it's really important that you get up to date on that. It was before, but it's even more so now. Yeah. And holding all, all channels accountable to the same metrics, you know, don't, don't right. be, don't be using last click on this and, you know, commission on this and view through on this. It, it doesn't make sense. Try to find metrics that, that are uniform across the board and hold everything equally accountable. And, and, Verify yourselves. Um, don't trust the vendor to be telling you how much money they're making you because it's in their interest to, to sugarcoat that as much as they can or spin it in their advantage. 
And from a revenue management perspective, that goes back to things like DBR, because I mean, we were still working with hotels um, right before this that were going through a business review process for potential groups. And they might be asking groups to net down their net rate, but then they were comparing it against the bar rate. Yep. which is a completely inaccurate comparison. So the same thing holds true from a revenue management perspective that you're really measuring things apples to apples. Yeah, exactly. All right, let's move on to our final one, number five. five number five, 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 five. I like this one because it goes along the whole myth route, but recession-proofing your hotel is a myth. Yeah, so we've heard a lot of buzz around recession-proofing your hotel, and if you don't believe me, just Google recession-proof hotel. I'm sure you'll find many, many articles on the topic, especially in recent years. As we all kind of knew a recession might be imminent, I don't think any of us expected it to come from a pandemic, but that's the nature of a black swan event, right? So in a standard recession that was completely financially based, something like a housing bubble or whatever, you may have had more success with some sort of recession-proofing measures. But the speed and intensity that the bottom dropped out around COVID-19 emphasizes that we need to learn how to manage for the unknown. So just like on the operational side, for example, we make plans for things that we never really expect to happen, right? Most hotels have a uh, safety issue around fires, bomb threats, what should staff do in the case of those things happening? And we should also have a strategy for dealing with a revenue crisis like this. So now's the time to take copious notes on everything that you're learning through this process. This happened and I wasn't expecting it. We needed to do this to manage around it. Would have been great if we had done X, Y, Z before this because we wouldn't have this particular issue. So really taking those notes and learnings from what's going on right now in order to be better prepared for kind of quick disasters like this in the future. Because even though recession-proofing itself is a myth, there are definitely steps that hotels can take to create a more sustainable path to progress um, in their profitability. So you want to ensure that your staffing levels, your customer offers, and all the other initiatives, like we were saying, they're tied back to your revenue and profitability they are expecting from them, along with a clear understanding of what your cash runway is. So even taking it a, a step further, your P&L doesn't really show you what your cash flow is. So understanding that cash flow metric, if, if business were to drop off, how much cash do we have and for how many months? Um, and that's something that you really need to understand what your daily nut is and your CPOR. If you don't have those metrics, you've got to put those in place right now so that you know exactly what you're working from. And how many months of expenses do you want to keep on hand in reserves? So would it have been helpful if you had three months worth of expenses in reserves for this crisis? Probably but really going beyond the things we tend to focus on for reserves like FF&E, capital expense, um, and then with the cash reserves you set aside, under what circumstances can you tap into those? So maybe even if you had the three months of cash reserves because of what was happening with your market, it would have made more sense to do a temporary closure still and maintain those for resuming operations or using them towards marketing during the closure. So you don't necessarily just want to use your cash reserves and throw them in every expense that might come up in a recession. You still want to make smart strategic moves and not just look at that as play money. Um, but having those plans in place in advance 
as critical to success in continued waves. Nobody really knows if COVID-19 is going to come back seasonally, but that is kind of the expectation from the experts right now. Will we be prepared for it? Will it have a similar economic impact? We would hate to go through a wave two from an economic side, but it could happen. So getting prepared for that now is going to be incredibly important. Yeah, I think, Lily, what you said there about having that plan is so, so important. That Nobody planned on 0% revenue coming in from a hotel's perspective and being 100% closed. You, know, you, you plan on percentages, and I think what it broke everybody's models was nobody expected zero. And, and that's what they've seen for, for so long now. But having that plan and having those individual triggers or lines in the sand that say, if I see market conditions doing this, or if there's a black swan event that pops up again, immediately I'm going to do A, B, and C to ensure that I can have my cash reserves last as long as possible. And I think that's where you saw a lot of properties and you know households for that matter run into that problem during this event was you try to maintain normalcy from what was a week ago now, and it ends up costing you capital that you can't recoup down the road. So making those lines in the sand and saying, as soon as this happens moving forward, this is my next action plan. And I think if you have those plans, you don't make those decisions based on fear because you already have that path forward and you can start working, working your plan versus panicking. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, no one can be faulted for not having the plan for this situation. This this is as unprecedented as it gets. To, to see an entire world locked down probably has only ever happened in the Star Wars universe with the Federation doing a blockade. So, and that was, that was Naboo for those of you that are interested. Um, but on planet Earth, no one was prepared for this. No one saw this coming. And so people didn't have an action plan. But guess what? Now we live in this new reality where it it can happen again and in it there's a better than zero probability that it will so n- learn from your mistakes this time and being ready for when it does crop up again or if it crops up again is is critical and here's why i've seen the spectrum of responses to this situation there were the folks that just freaked out early on and shut everything down and let everyone go and just went dark and they're now sitting in a situation where they're struggling to get people back. You know, they, they, they burned some of the relationships with the people. They have nothing on the books for the next quarters as we come out of this. And they, they're basically starting from, from zero. But then there are other people that waited too long and didn't cut expenses and then fi- found themselves being forced to do the same thing and go completely dark and lay people off and shut it down. And they're in a slightly better position because I think there was a little more understanding once they got to that critical point that they had had no choice. But then there's this third group of properties that are in this Goldilocks zone where they were very smart and, and they took an, a, a very methodical approach. They first looked at all of their expenses and figured out what could they cut that would not materially impact operations. And then they stress tested their budget and they ran scenarios and they said, if this happens, if we go to 50% occupancy, if we go to 25% occupancy, if we go to zero occupancy, what is the plan? 
And those guys bought themselves time because they moved quickly, but they didn't move irrationally. They bought themselves enough time to then realize that this PPP loan situation was was a reality. So then they took advantage of that. So now they're sitting in a situation where they have employees, they're running some marketing and advertising, and they're getting demand and they're filling up. And, and for a lot of those properties, the fall, you know, September onwards is probably going to be a lot stronger than certainly their competition, but perhaps more more strong than it would have been without this situation. Now, there's still unknown about May through August, but September onwards, they're looking fine and, and they're going to weather the storm and probably take market share from those other folks. So that approach is something that everyone should take next time this happens. And the only way you can do it is by being prepared and having a checklist and having a playbook to say, when scenario A happens, this is our response. When scenario B happens, this is our response. No more panic, no more emotional decisions. You have a process and you follow it and you're going to be in a lot healthier situation for doing so. So I love this one, Lily. I think it's very, very important for people to realize. And, you know, I think that really it comes back to there's all sorts of exit plans. I mentioned kind of the operational side of hotels having in place for bomb threats or fires, but also would you board a plane that had no uh, exit plan if there were a crash? Probably not. So you want to make sure that you have that from a financial perspective as well. Yeah, well said. Cool. Well, this is great content. Hopefully our listeners liked what they heard. And if they did, they can check out Lily's new podcast. Where can they find that and subscribe, Lily? Uh, the easiest way is to just go to thinkupenterprises.com and click on the podcast link. But if you are a glutton for punishment, you can also type in the entire URL, which is thinkupenterprises.com slash hospitality hyphen revenue hyphen management hyphen the hyphen podcast. Uh, and there you can find uh, our first three episodes. We'll have a fourth one here coming out uh, called Hindsight is 2020, uh, probably early next week. Again, talking to a couple of these perspectives, but with a uh, guest that we'll have on the show, Christian Borger, previously with Pacific Hospitality. Gotcha. So piece of advice, I would set up a redirect that is just your yes. URL slash podcast that goes straight we to, are the, working to on that, that page. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we do too, because you obviously want the SEO juice of the the, the name, the full page title, but um, yeah, no one's going to type in hyphens, and if they do, they'll probably get it wrong. But we'll link to yes. that on the show notes for this show, which you can get at fueltravel.com slash podcast and then click on episode 149. So again, thank you. If, if they want to learn more about you, Think Up Enterprises or TCRM, what's the best way to do that? You can go to either of our websites, thinkupenterprises.com or tcrmservices.com to learn more about what we have to offer. And of course, we encourage you to follow us on social media. We'll be reblasting out this podcast on our social media as well as our own um, for both Facebook and LinkedIn for both companies. And, and so for the TCRM, the total... Um, customized revenue management piece for folks that are out there maybe have, you know have a smaller team because of the situation but need some advice on on revenue management you you have packages that suit all size types of properties right 
Yeah, we do. Most of our packages are built to be sort of fractional. So we're just focused on the important areas that you really need our help. Um, We have some specials out right now around COVID-19 that are even more basic just to make sure that you're on top of what's happening with your hotel. And we are hands-on. So beyond just advice, we can actually get in and manage your systems for you, Um, especially if you've maybe laid off your dorm, you're not ready to bring them back. You don't need something full-time yet, but you do need a stopgap. We're definitely here to support properties that gotcha so yeah we'll put links to those in the show notes again and um just tell them your friends at fuel sent you over and lily will take care of you and we really appreciate it lily thanks we'd love to have you back on the show again at some point and um share some more of your wisdom hopefully it'll be under better circumstances next time anytime happy to be here and thanks so much for having me great well fuel people thank you again for being on the show melissa if they want to learn more about you where can they do that? I am on Twitter, M.A. Kavanaugh, M-A-K-A-V-A-N-A-G-H. And you've been pretty active on LinkedIn recently. So are you going to be pushing out information about the um, study on LinkedIn? I absolutely will because it was just posted today. Great. And you are also going to be heading up some videos on the study for HSMAI in the next couple of weeks as well. So I am. I'm super excited about that. You're going to be super famous as, as you already are but even more so and in video form. So we're looking forward to that. Maybe so, I should wrap it. You should totally wrap it. You are you are a rap extraordinaire, so that would be amazing. I don't think HSMI has ever had any rap videos yet published on their <laughs> site, so that would be a first. And I would love to see Bob Gilbert dancing along to that. That would be amazing. <laughs> uh, Phil, if they want to learn more about you, where can they find out? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at pfariska, P-F-O-R-I-S-K-A. Great. Any more beers? Did you brew the next batch yet? I, I have not. I'm still waiting on it. That that, that pesky Amazon, they're deferring shipments of yeah. non-essentials. I know. No, it's non-essential, apparently, though false. I disagree. Yeah, false. It is absolutely. Beer is very essential. Uh, and then Pete, hey, are you excited about next episode? I'm super excited. It's I'll be covering some good information, but it's episode 150. I know. Can you believe it? We're at, it's incredible. We've had it. I can't believe it. Yeah, one and a half centuries of this show. What you know, typically we would do something quite spectacular, but it's it's crept up very quick because we've been churning out so many episodes in the last couple of weeks. So, yeah, we'll have to do a live AMA at some point to celebrate the one fiftieth. But do you want to tease what our what our topic is next week? So it's going to be a big one. It's about how you can best recover those canceled bookings that you thought you may have lost. They're not actually gone. There's a lot of ways and strategies you can put in place to get those back into your property. Ooh, I'm looking forward to that. That sounds great. So that'll be that'll be the episode 150 next week's episode. And one thing I want to kind of build on, on on Phil's point about not getting stuff from Amazon. I put up a dartboard finally in my garage, mm-hmm. and I ordered darts on Amazon mm-hmm. at the beginning of March. I have not gotten them yet. Well, I'll tell you and what. So, so this is this is where this world is. I really desperately need hair clippers, and I have an extra set of darts. So, if you want to trade, I'll give you. Some I have darts. hair clippers. I'll give you some darts for some hair clippers. We can talk about it after the show. But we're right. we're, ba- we're back to bartering, ladies and gentlemen. That is the world we live in today. So, <laughs> Pete, if they want to find you on the web, where can they do that? Check me out on Twitter at p demayo p d i m a i o. 
You can find me at Stuart Butler. You can find us collectively at Fuel Travel. Again, the notes to this show, fueltravel.com slash podcast. Click on episode 149. We'll link to all of Lily's different things she has going on, including the podcast and her revenue management site and the Think Up Enterprises site and her LinkedIn profile if you want to hit her up and say she did a swell job on the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. That would be sure would be nice of you to do that. So. Uh, Look forward to talking to you again, and until next time, you have been listening to the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. How how does it feel to be with the Fuel Agents? It feels pretty great, honestly. I feel like I'm one of the cool kids now, so that's a nice place to be. (laughs) This is your definition of the cool kids. We're all in trouble. (laughs) 